the Small Queendom Podcast, episode 38. my friend. Thanks for tuning back into the Small Queendom Podcast. I'm the host, Leah Graham. Here on the podcast, we're about helping you move from surviving to thriving so you can curate a beautiful queendom in your everyday life. And my goal here is not to leave you all with a bunch of homework or add to the noise of technology and the busyness of life. I want to create valuable content that is encouraging, supporting, and fun and interesting. Today's podcast I probably could call it Lessons from the Bench. Many of you know, if you've listened to this podcast for any amount of time, that I am a classical pianist. And you know, honestly, after hours and hours of sitting on a bench with my 88 friends, also known the keys, or accompanying a variety of settings of choirs and musicals and soloists, I have a lot of thinking time. And so many of my life lessons and really great principles that I live by honestly have come from time sitting at that bench. And so today I want to share a little bit of that wisdom. Before we get to today's podcast, I do want to read a review that was left over on iTunes. I appreciate and value all of the reviews so much. It truly helps people who are looking for new podcasts get an idea if it's the right show for them. And this one comes from Samantha Osborne. Thank you, Samantha, for leaving this. And she says, really great show. Leah is an awesome host. I tune in every week to hear her share fun and engaging information about healthy living. Couldn't recommend this enough if you are looking to gain knowledge on a variety of holistic topics. Thank you so much, Samantha. And if you feel so inclined, my friend, to leave me a review over on iTunes, I will be so appreciative. It really helps me know if I'm on the right track, what you like, and I'd love to hear what you do while you listen to the podcast. So if any of you follow me on Instagram, you will know that my life has been consumed with the Wizard of Oz rehearsals. I was the pianist accompanist, the music director, co-directing it with my partner in crime, Lori. And I haven't done a musical in nine years. This will be my fifth musical that I have helped to produce in a company. And it's always such an interesting process. We've been through eight days of rehearsals and performances, and on Friday alone, I performed that piece, that work of music from beginning to end three whole times. And I realized that playing the piano has been an incredible exercise of my brain and has put so many wonderful nuggets of wisdom and life experience into my heart. And I wanted to share some of that. So right before one of our first performances, I had the privilege of playing in a trio, there was a, a bass player and a drummer, and I. they are friends of mine, and I'm so grateful that they played with me, and we just were able to produce a, a beautiful uh, musical setting for this for The Wizard of Oz. And my friend Dave is on the bass, and we were kind of swapping stories, and he told me something that was really profound, and I, and I think that it is really uh, relevant for you. So he said that the best advice 
that he ever received about being a musician came from when he was in high school and his teacher told him that the most important piece of music you will ever play is the one in front of you. The most important piece of music you will ever play is the one in front of you. And it hit me so hard because this is not a call for perfection. This is a guiding light of where your attention lies. And I think for so many of us, we're living in the past, what has happened, or we're living in the future, what will happen, what could happen, or if we are in the present, we're at our to-do list of what we should be doing except what we're doing right now. And it hit me so hard that this is a lesson that music always teaches me. When I'm sitting and I'm rehearsing the same song or the musical number for the umpteenth time, it's so easy for my mind to wander. But the most important thing that is in front of me is that I play that piece, that note, that beat, that entrance, that cue exactly right. So the performer on stage can do their job, can do what they are set to do. We're all intermingled here. And I really took that piece of advice with me the whole weekend. It was an incredible practice for me to remain focused and calm and present in the exact moment, in the exact piece that I was playing. When my mind wanted to wander about my podcast, about my children, about my business, about my upcoming trip to Nepal, about my to-do list, about um, so many other things, about friends that I needed to connect with and touch base with, about things going on in the world. But this practice of absolutely being present. And again, this is not about perfection. This is not about that every single sandwich that I make has to be absolutely perfect. It's not that I'm making my bed with military precision every moment of every day. It is that what would happen if when we were in a space, we were all there. We were nowhere else. What would it look like if we looked at our relationship with time in a little bit different of a light? What if time really truly became something that we valued, like a currency, as an asset, as a liability, or especially as a gift. When I am learning that I can sit at a piano bench for 100 hours, six hours in actual one day, doing the same music three times in an intense focus situation, I can also take that kind of attention to intention into my life. Whether I'm talking to my preschooler and she's giving me this epic saga that's hard to pay attention, but the fact that she wants to talk to me is an incredible gift. Whether I'm standing in line and I'm around other humans, like humanity is around me, what if I just put my phone down and I enjoy the music and I smile at someone that I don't know? What if I took that kind of mindfulness into my yoga practice? You know, I think that's what this is. It's just simple mindfulness. It, it literally is that presence of intention of being present. But what if I was able to transfer what I'm writing in my journal 
for presence into when I'm writing an email to a colleague or to a business partner or to a friend. I just I just love this idea about reevaluating where our relationship with time is. And so if you are a student of the Enneagram, I want to give you a little bit of a nugget to take with you because the Enneagram definitely has something to say about our orientation to time. If you want to learn more about the Enneagram and our orientation to time based on types, I want you to check out episode 50 of the Enneagram Journey by Suzanne Stabile. I will put it in the show notes. I'm going to briefly summarize this episode, but it is excellent. So when we look at our relationship to time, our orientation of time, we have to look at Enneagram stances. And Suzanne does an amazing job at explaining stances. Looking to the Enneagram, if you are a type one, two, or six, you are in the stance called the compliant stance. And it's also the stance that is thinking repressed. This does not mean that you don't think. You all actually think all the time. But thinking repressed types 1, 2s, and 6 are focused on the wrong things. 1s are thinking constantly about if they did the right thing. They have such a strong inner critic about their own perfection. 2s are always constantly thinking about relationship-based things and can be quite preoccupied, but it's not very productive. And sixes are constantly thinking about worst case scenario, what could happen, what they need to prepare for. Um, But again, it's not productive thinking. However, one, twos, and six, your orientation to time is very strong in the present. So this might just be a little bit of a tweak for you to just create more intention with your present time, one, twos, and six. The real practice I feel like is going to come in for the other types. So if you are a type 4, 5, or 9, you are in the stance known as the withdrawing stance. Your stance is all about energy. And um, in looking at where you are repressed, you are more uh, doing repressed. It doesn't mean that you don't do things, but you're probably, again, not doing productive Um, productive things or things that are actually going to move the needle to where you want to be. But the four, fives, and nines are oriented towards the past. So they're very good at looking at what has happened, looking at past examples for reference. They love to tell stories about the past, or they base what they do based off what has already happened. And so threes, sevens, and eights, this is the aggressive stance. These are the most aggressive and assertive numbers, and they are actually feeling repressed. It doesn't mean that they don't have feelings, but they really have to work very hard to practice the full range of feelings and processing information through feelings instead of in other ways. And the three, sevens, and eights are oriented towards the future, what they will do, what could be, where they are going, what is going to be their passion project. And so when we're thinking about the quote that my friend Dave shared with me from his music professor, the most important piece of music you will ever play is the one right in front of you. I think that we can we can look at where we're at, we can we can look at If our mind is always away or if it's always in the past or if it's always distracted and we can start 
by looking at where we are at on the Enneagram and focus back into how can we create intention and mindfulness in this present moment. The reason I bring up the Enneagram is when I realized that my type is definitely um, oriented towards the future as a type three, it is so true because sometimes I feel like life is flying by me at such a, a fast pace. It is a constant practice for me to say, wait, be present. You're right here. This is your life right now. You can't go back. Whatever is forward is not promised. All you have is this moment. The piano has been an incredible teacher for me. My experience a few days ago with three performances in one day was an incredible teacher for me to be in the moment because every performance counts. Because every single one of those performances were just as important as the last. My challenge for you is where is one area that you can tighten up the intention of attention, your mindfulness? I only want you to pick one thing. And so maybe it's being more present when you're journaling. Maybe it's having phone-free time during meals. I don't know what it is, but I know that you probably know where it is. Just pick one thing, my dear friend. And if you want to learn more about your orientation to time so you can understand where you might need a little bit more guiding lights and where you um, might have some blind spots, I really encourage you to check out the Enneagram Journey episode 50 with Suzanne Stabile where she talks about orientation to time. It's a shorter episode today, but I really hope that you took a nugget and that you will dive into this idea where your orientation to time is so you can hone in and be more mindful about the life that is right in front of you in this present moment. I'm going to sign off with the wisdom of the Wizard of Oz. My hope, my friend, is that you take your brains, your heart, and your courage, and you dig into the gifts that are already inside of you. There is no silver bullet. You are the silver bullet in your own life. Stay strong and be kind. Bye-bye.